You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 24. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even King Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Or, oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for the gentle sick after all these things? And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for a day is its own trouble. Join me in the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that the preaching of your word will be a life. That, Lord God, everything that we will do is centered on our relationship with you. Not just what you can provide, but who you are in our lives. We thank you for what you've done, Lord God, tonight and what you're about to do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. How many of you here appreciate the passage? Jesus wants his followers to be free from worries. He has just been speaking to the crowd about the dangers of greed. I don't know if you can still remember that we need to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves cannot steal. Jesus was simply saying that this is important for you to know and you need to understand the effects or the impact when you invest for eternity. Now he speaks to his disciples. This is an amount we're in or an account where he was simply exhorting his disciples. And we know that uh, from our own vantage point, we have a certain respect for the disciples of Christ. But if you take a closer look, we can see our lives that, in fact, they're just like one of us. He speaks to his disciples who perhaps feeling anxious about whether they would have enough to live on. He shows them that anxiety is opposed to trusting God. That if you know me, you will not be anxious. That was what he wants to communicate. And I don't know if you have uh, really caught yourself in a situation as well, that just like me, if I am given an opportunity to be in a hotel or a, a party, I would, I would stock my plate with a lot of food. Because I was probably anticipating that it might run out. And we know that that is not really true. That food will always be there. And because of our Filipino culture, the tendency for us is to take advantage of every opportunity because we don't want to lose the opportunity. But God is simply saying, look to me, not on what you have and what you possess because I am your provider. And if you know the provider, provision will follow. This is why the first statement is, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the word that we need to uh, probably take a closer look is the word devoted, because at the end of the day, anxiety reveals who you are devoted to. If you're worried, you're anxious, you just can't uh, stay put and stay still because at the end of the day, when you're devoted okay, with something other than God, that something will always be shaken. There's only one person and there's only one foundation in which you will not be shaken. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. God cannot be shaken. Everything can be shaken. This is why it is important for us to acknowledge that if God is our ultimate thing and there are good things, the good thing can be something ultimate. So we need to be cautious because something good can what? Move towards the direction of becoming ultimate. And before you know it, you don't have God in the picture. So we need to be cautious that when things doesn't go our way, and it is also proper when things doesn't go our way because we will discover who our God is. When you are shaken, you will discover who your God is. When you're anxious, you will discover who your God is. Because at the end of the day, whatever makes you anxious is your God. Why are you anxious of money? Because whether you like it or not, you have worshipped money. And I'm not here to condemn anyone. I am as guilty as anyone in this room. But you need to understand that again, a concern is not a problem. When you are anxious once in a while, the problem is not even in the anxiety. The problem is not even when you're worried. The problem is that when you are worried, what do you do when you're worried? When you're sick, why can't you just call on God and say, God, I need your help. Can you heal me? And if you need to take a medicine, it's your call. But we have created a God for ourselves. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. How many of you here coming here? It took you about one year to pick the right clothes. I have nothing against it, but the question is, when things are gone, do you feel bad? Why? Because you feel like if you wear and you have these things, people would appreciate you. People love you. People will acknowledge you. People will give you the kind of look that you have been asking from them. Which means you're not satisfied with God. Therefore, the things that you have has been the ultimate thing. Things like this will not last. This is why, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food. This is food, this is shelter, this is body. I have elevated life. It came from the mouth of God. So we need to remind ourselves that your life is above everything. My life is above everything. This life has been blessed by God. This life has been given by God. So God is simply elevating you with the things that you're concerned of. And He's correcting your heart. Your life is elevated, but the problem is that we look down on, on who we are and our nature and what Jesus Christ di- uh, has done on the cross. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're, you're not a Christian, God loves us so much. 
This is an example. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So your performance and how good looking you are is baseless when it comes to the heart of the Father in providing for you. Now think about this. Why would he call himself a father more than a God? Because he wants you to understand by calling himself a father that makes you his child. That you don't have to fight your way into the uh, relationship that I need to be your child and please acknowledge that I'm your child. In the eyes of God, whether you like it or not, before we were our, what sinners and we were added into the family of God, God has guaranteed that when you return back home, guaranteed I'm your father. You doubt, you question if I'm your child? But I want you to understand, I am your father, and even though you don't want to accept the proposal, I am your father. So he will take care of us. He is simply comparing that even though at times you doubt my capacity and my ability to provide, I am your father. If I can take care of these things, I can take care of you. Why? Because you're not just above everything else. It says right here, are you not of more value than they? Your life is more valuable than anything And that value is not just something to inspire you tonight. That value is directed, connected to what took place on the cross. That you don't have to turn from your wicked ways. Christ died. Christ did not die for you because you look good. Christ did not die for you because you're nice. Christ died for us, Romans 5.8, while we are still sinners. While, say the word while. He did not wait for you to what? To repent. Because when you're ready to repent, He has done. What is necessary? So your value is connected to what Jesus did in the cross. And what Jesus did in the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That account is a beautiful picture. That every single day I just get help but be moved to tears. Why? Because when he called his God, his God. The question that I have in my mind, why did the son did not call God his father? Why did he call God his God? Because at that very moment, he was rejected so we can be welcomed back home because the son absorbed our sin. He is now the wrath of God and we become the children of God. Therefore, we can call God our Father in heaven. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Have you given it a closer look why your heart is beating? And when you see a beautiful girl, it's beating so fast. There is nothing that programs your system. There is no microchip. There is no battery. No solar power. But here you are when things are diminishing and are going through wear and tear. And you've been around for 30 years. You put a car under the sun for 30 months or 30 years. It will have rust. And you've been around. And once in a while, you abuse yourself. But the grace of God is sustaining us. That's the reason why. When you understand that the grace of God is sustaining us, you can't help, you can't abuse yourself. And God has been protecting you. So if I can protect you, I can provide for you, these things are too small. That if you don't ask me, you don't understand our relationship. God is saying all of our askings goes back to our relationship with Him. Because he can give us anything in verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory. That if you combine the assets and the things that Steve Jobs or Bill Gates has, it can't even put up with what Solomon has. Why? Because he's a man of splendor, glory, and majesty. And if you take a closer look, God has taken care. Even Solomon can't even put up with God. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, God takes care of something that's worthless. He takes care of the grass, sends rain, and God knows that the destiny of each blade and each grass goes back to the oven. It was only used for burning. Will he not much clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Or let me rephrase it. Oh, you have little faith. It's a question that God is asking from us. Do you understand what faith is? Because faith is always rooted not on the, uh, the, the religion that we have and the religious ways that we have and the routines that we have as we go to church. Faith is a byproduct of how deep you have gone with God. Relationship, as it goes deeper, so was trust. This is why faith is based on our relationship with God. Therefore, the reason why you can't worry because you're anchored in Christ, the reason why you can't be anxious, not because you have psychological approaches not to be anxious, because you know that God will take care of you. And the way for you to be guaranteed that God will take care of you, hindi ka pababayaan ang Panginoon, because your relationship with Him goes deeper. Do you understand? And a lot of married people has been approaching me and telling me, Pastor, how, how do we stay away from mistrusting one another? First and foremost, you have to understand that relationship that you have with that person goes back to your relationship with God. But the bottom line of this, we have a lot of issues when, we're, when, 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 when we are in a relationship, even though you're married. I know, even though you've been married for 20 years, you can have issues, but it goes back how deep you've gone with your wife or your husband. So a lot of us, the reason why we're not growing in a relationship with God because we see God as somebody who provides for what we need and what we want. We see God as somebody who's not even relating to us, that I need something from you, God, therefore I need you now. But I hope you do understand that Christ was harping and communicating the message, there are things that you want, but I want you to know the reason why you worry because your anxiety is a measuring device when it comes to how deep you've gone with God. Why are you anxious? Because you don't know God. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we worry because our relationship with God is not growing. It's not growing deeper. So when things will come your way, get anxious. Lord, how's my finances? I don't think I can survive. Lord, how's my career? How's my marriage? And how, uh, do you have a plan for my kids? To start with, ladies and gentlemen, what you have is God's. The problem is that we have allowed all of these things to be at the center of our lives. Where God is an isolated case and we worship the things that we think will give us joy and happiness. Partially. But in the long run, 
hear this loud and clear. Whatever makes you happy will make you sad. Money will make you happy for a season. But without money, it will make you sad. But when you put God at the center of everything that you live for, even though there are times you're not happy, but you know that having Christ is enough. And that word enough is something that you need to verbalize every single day. Say the word enough. It is important for people like us to say the word enough. Pastor, what do you mean by saying enough? Where you are right now, even though you have needs and wants, say enough. Because the greatest lie of the enemy is for you to always question yourself, do I have enough? Am I properly supplied? Am I properly provided? And because you give in to that question, you want more that you're willing to set aside your relationship with God to pursue because you deserve one. All of us, we have this persona deep in our hearts who's one thing I need more because I'm working hard. It's about time for all of us in this room to say enough. Because if you're not satisfied in your relationship with God, you will never be satisfied. Remember, money is the greatest magnifier. It magnifies. So if your attitude stinks when you don't have money, when you have money, your money will magnify your attitude. So if you're not happy and you think money will make you happy, when money is provided to start with you're not happy, you will never be happy. Money is not the solution. In fact, it magnifies so close the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The question is faith. It's not even a question of provision. Do you understand that this is not just a contract? That you approach God so that you can get something from God? The problem with us is that we don't have a relationship with God to start with. Therefore, our default reaction is, God, you're just there to provide for what I want. And because you don't have a relationship with God, you feel like, yes, I believe God can. But my question with you right now is very personal. You know God can, but can you answer this question? God can, yes, but can He provide for you personally? You can believe God that he can provide for a pastor or a servant of God or somebody who needs money or a poor person, not me. That is a view which is totally distorted because when you are a child of God, more than just God as God of provision, he is your father in heaven. God can because he is God. But God will because you are his child. More than just your understanding that He is ready, willing, and able, you have a Father. And all of you parents, your son, your daughter, your children are highly convinced that you're not just capable. You're capable of doing this for them. A lot of us, we think God is capable. But only a few of us will validate the reason 
that He will provide for me. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, the religious people. What's in it for me? And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your God knows everything. Now, I question with you right now, why would you ask God if God knows everything that we need? Because just like what I mentioned, you don't approach God because of what you can get from God. You approach God from the relational posture. Even though everything is provided, you approach Him. You experience Him. You pay Him a visit. Because your relationship is never about what He can give and what you can give. I don't know if you can relate with me. I have friends that I don't see for about two years, three years. And this friend of mine, I saw him about, uh, about six months ago. I have not seen each other for about five years. He's from the States. And I just don't mind whatever he has for me. I'm more concerned of his presence. How many of you here you have friends that is living abroad, and when you see them, you're reminded of stories. You are reminded of memories. That you're not even reminded to borrow money from him. You just want to enjoy the relationship. This is what God wants us to understand. That he wants us to know the reason why you are anxious because our relationship is not doing well. The reason why you're shaken financially because you're not growing in relationship with me. The reason why you're worried because it goes back to the relationship that we have. There is something that's controlling and nagging and bugging you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When I say seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, every kingdom has a king. And the strength of the kingdom goes back to the king. And the power of the kingdom goes back to the king. The identity of the kingdom goes back to the king. So when you prioritize the king and the kingdom, everything will align. The problem with us is that a lot of us here, we want to align our lives. It is impossible to align your life if you don't have a reference. Am I correct? How do you align yourself if you don't have a reference, if you're walking a straight line? To start our day, the reason why at times when things are not doing well in our lives and you start your day with an encounter with God and a relationship and a conversation with God, haven't you noticed though things might not work well, everything is under control because you started your day with God. You were able to recalibrate and realign your life with God. And there are also days that you don't want to really pray and read the Bible. Even though things are working perfectly, you retire at night with something that you can't even explain. There is this emptiness in your heart. Why? You started with your strength. Though things went well the past eight hours. Because even though things went well, you don't have a reference in which you can straighten your life. This is important for us. This is why it is important that... You start your day aligned with God. Reinforce every single day with the whole idea that worry will not be displaced. My trust has to increase so that worry can be displaced. You cannot displace darkness by introducing darkness. You can displace darkness by introducing light. <laughs> the best way to confront anxiety is to increase our devotion to God. Your devotion to God is the only solution. I was reminded of a story about a week ago of Sally, a 23-year-old 
mom who's pregnant for the past five months. And she approached me for prayer. And what really caught me off guard was the question that Sally asked me. Why would God allow these things to happen to me? She's pregnant and she was pertaining to the baby in her womb with no heartbeat at all. She has all the right to be anxious. She has all the right to worry. I was reminded of a story about a month ago, a story of Ron, whose dad is in the hospital for about eight months. Ron is rich. And the reason why he's rich because his dad, who's very, very poor, went all the way and suffered the physical abuse of working so hard so that they can go to school. I can relate with Ron, but every single day as I meet with him, he would cry and ask me the same question. Why would God allow this thing to happen to my father? Ladies and gentlemen, there are questions I cannot answer. But I plead with you, more than all the questions, you go back to God. The things that we suffer is not from God. But one thing I know, we have God. I do pray that those things are not properly explained. And those things might not work well. And you're facing life against all odds. I do pray that you will have the opportunity to say, God, I want to know you. Because only in our understanding and knowledge of God that we can trust God. That though we're anxious and worried about things and about the future, about our finances, we can say, God, I want to feel your peace that springs from your love. Anxiety can be replaced by peace when you experience that the Father that we have and the Father that we worship loves us so much that He will take care of our needs not according to what you want, but according to His riches and glory. This is what I want you to understand as we end our gathering. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? This is a powerful statement. I am thankful that God is for us. You can have everything in this world, but if God is against you, you are in a big trouble. But God is for us. Though things might be against us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he can provide the greatest possession that he has as a father to let go his one and only son for all of us. Is there anything too hard for God? Is your finances too hard for God? Is the future of your children too hard for God? Is a lifetime partner, Pastor, I'm 85, I need the lifetime partner. I can't even answer your question. But one thing I know, if he can provide his son, he can provide anything. My question with you right now, is it too hard for God? Is there anything impossible? The problem is that we rate God based on how God would decline your concerns. In fact, the prayers that you have authored, is never declined. Some of us, we need to wait because God wants us to understand this is not just about you. I'm trying to ripen your prayer request because I'm trying to ripen the people around you. This is not about you. This is about the kingdom of God. Remember two weeks ago, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, my kingdom come, my will be done. Am I correct? Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
Because me, myself, and I is a what? Is a response of selfishness of somebody who doesn't have a devotion with God. When you understand what God has done for you and me, you will never be selfish. Therefore, devotion is a response to what God has done on the cross. That He loves you so much, and whether you like it or not, His love is unconditional. Unchanging. So I want to challenge all of you tonight to ask God for one thing. Because I want us to just concentrate on one thing. If you're married, don't share it with, with your wife. You can share it after, but don't, don't, don't agree in just one thing. You're a daughter. You're a son of God. You need to have separate conversations with God. Am I correct? First question. When you ask God, you have hesitations. Because you don't want, you don't want God to say no. I mean, if that prayer of yours is outside of the will of God and outside of God's word, you don't have to try. It will hurt you. And my son about, I, I, I don't know if I've shared this story about two months ago. When he was five, my son asked me for a real shotgun. Five-year-old kid asked me for a real shotgun because I'm a, a loving father. I gave him one. Of course not. I will not do such thing. Why? Because it will hurt him. Some of the things that we've been praying for will hurt us down the road. And you want to take it against God. Lord, how come you're not generous? You know why? You don't understand because your world is too small. Try to widen your perspective. Try to widen your world. His kingdom come, His will be done. But I want to take the risk tonight. We will ask God for a need or a want. How many of you here would want to pray with me? Anybody here who has a need that you're believing God for? Raise your hand. Some of you, you don't want to ask God. That is also a representation of your relationship with God. You know, at times I hate my kids. How many parents are in this room? But you know what? The other side of that, why they're asking, is my relationship with them. How many of you here, you, feel, you will feel bad if your son or your child will tell you, di mo kaya yan? Di mo kaya Of course, my son would say that because he wants to, you know, reverse psychologize me. <sighs> my kids are wise, I mean. But it's an insult, right? When we are worried, we're simply insulting God. We're simply saying, God, you're limited. But when you ask, ask in His name, the name of Jesus. Tonight, we will ask God for one thing. How many of you here are excited in the next few weeks, months, how God will provide for you? So I want us right now to just open our arms wide and let's just ask God. This is a receiving posture. I want you to ask God right now. You pray and you ask. In the count of three, one, two, three, say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are prayers are 
like a pleasing aroma before your throne. Lord, we know that you are bigger than anything. That you're stronger than anything. That you are our great provider, our great healer. And you are, Lord God, more than enough. So Lord, today, we surrender to your will and we are asking God that you forgive us from all the anxieties and worries, Father. That we have opted to listen and trust our devices than your name. Lord, today, as we raise our hands all across the room, we surrender. We say, God, I will wait if I have to. But Lord, I pray that more than just what I want, I want my heart to be aligned to your will. Aligned to what you want. Aligned to what pleases you. You can put down your hands. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you've been coming in and out of this gathering, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't want to worry. I don't want to be anxious about what the future holds for me or how my things or my life will, will evolve. The answer is right in this room. And my invitation to you is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you want to accept Jesus, just pray this prayer after me. Say this after me, Jesus, I receive you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I repent for the sins that I have done. Start something new in my heart. I want to start it over again. If you pray that prayer, I want you to slowly raise your hand. Don't look around. Just, just bow your heads. If you have prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. One, I see that hand. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13. Just raise your hand as high as you can. An intercessor, 15. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Don't, don't put it down. Somebody will approach you and just hold you. I will pray for you. Can we ask intercessors and our leaders and ushers to just approach them, lay your hands on them. We have people at the back. Just raise your hand. If you have prayed a prayer, you have accepted Jesus. A lot of people are raising their hands. Just, just raise your hand and touch them and say, I'm here. This is not a, just a personal journey. You have the whole community by your side. Lord, thank you for these people that are raising their hands. As they are raising their hands, I pray that they will acknowledge you that they will have a growing relationship with you. That they will not be shaken because we have a God who is bigger than all of our anxieties. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.